Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you wanna mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you wanna jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello, Bengals fans. I am Matt Minnick, and this is Bengals Chalk Talk. Today, I am joined by former NFL quarterback and founder of CrockerReport.com. Uh, also, you may you may have seen him on Crock Talk TV on pa- Patreon. It is Eric Crocker. Eric, how are you doing today? Oh man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So, well, the reason that I brought in Eric is, is because, uh, I mean, well, first of all, I always love talking to DBs. Everybody, everybody knows my heart. I'm a DBs guy. If I could, um, you know, people want to be want to be head coaches and, you know, they, they trace all these things. My my perfect world, I would just coach corners and, like, just, like, watch one-on-ones <laughs> all day. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, always, they're always, like, the most fun guys on the team, for one thing. Uh, uh, so I lo- love talking to corners. But um, – also, uh, you know, Eric, Eric not only works with uh, defensive backs and, and, you know, talks a lot about defensive backs on his various platforms, uh, but also with receivers. So today we're, we're going to focus mainly on the receiver aspect because the Bengals are, are definitely going to be a tar- targeting receiver at some point in this draft, perhaps with the number five overall pick. But before we get into that, we uh, I just wanted to touch on a Bengals free agent acquisition uh, in cornerback uh, Shadobi Uwuzi, and just to kind of get your opinion of what you think he might bring to the table in Cincinnati as, as they bring him in to replace William Jackson. You know what Uwuzi is, man? It, it's weird. Like, you, you see the ability, you see the talent, like, you see the athleticism, like, you see all that really jump off when you watch, you know, the Cowboys film. I think what he was more a victim of was just – bad luck. And I think that's why, like, if you're, like, a fan of PFF or, you know, any of those kind of grading things, when it comes to secondary play, you typically see it's not, like, steady, right? It kind of goes up and down a little bit. And when you're watching, like, uh, Wuzi, Wuzi, he is someone where it's like he can test. That, that's what I, I, I want to see that first and foremost. Like, are you contesting passes, right? Like, he's not somebody that's just when he does get beat or whatever, like, he's not somebody that's just like, oh, guys are just running by him or he just can't cover guys. Like, he's challenging guys. Like, at the catch point, thought he did a terrific job, um, you know, being able to contest passes, whether he gave up a catch or not. Like, he's typically right there in good position. So, I think for him it's just becoming more consistent, right, to where now he can earn, like, a bigger contract. Because I'd assume, I don't know, did you guys sign to a one-year contract or, or multi-year? I uh, believe it. Yeah, it, it, it was a multi-year deal. So they, they, they got him for a pretty good deal, though. And that was kind of the deal. Was I think everybody everybody knows that you know he's, it, it's it's not having William Jackson necessarily, um, but they they got both him and Mike Hilton uh, for for basically what uh, what Washington's paying for for William Jackson. So uh, so it was a pretty 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 good value in the deal. Yeah. So you know he he's somebody who I feel like. Like, he, he can be a good corner. Like, the way I always try to look at it, and obviously you're going to have, like, your elite guys and everything, but, like, is this guy a starting cornerback in the NFL? Like, you know, out of 64 starting outside cornerbacks, can this guy be one of them? And I strongly believe that he is. So I think that's kind of the best way to put it. He can test stuff. Is he going to be this just shutdown guy that you're going to say, hey, go guard this guy or follow him around? I don't think he's that guy. You know, is there, like, is he going to give up something here and there? 
um, you know, like, yeah, but for the most part, he's typically not going to be the issue why, you know, the Bengals, are, you know, if they're getting their butt kicked and the secondary can't cover, he won't be the reason why. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to be contested, mm-hmm. guys. He's going to be competitive. Um, he has the ability, like, whether it's playing guys vertically, challenging guys at the catch point on, like, you know, underneath routes. He does all that very well. You know, he just has to become just a little bit more consistent to where, you know, people won't feel bad about paying him, you know, the, the contract that he got. Yeah, and, then, you know, they've got a, a bigger contract last year from Trey Waynes that they didn't uh, – we haven't really seen anything from yet. So, you know, he may yeah, be like, really the, like the CB1. I like him. I like him more than I like uh, Trey Wayne. Okay. And definitely, yeah, definitely for the price, I'd say. So, uh, so we, yeah, look at those guys in there. And, you know, Von Bell played well at safety last year. Uh, you know, we mentioned Hilton coming in. And then, of course, uh, Jesse Bates is, is the guy back there. And, you know, hopefully the Bengals can win some more games and Bates will finally get the national attention uh, that he re- uh, really deserves at that safety position. Uh, you know, real, yeah. real ball hawker back there. Uh, so let's get into the draft a little bit. Along with Penny Sewell, uh, Jamar Chase is, you know, really one of the two most likely picks for the Bengals. Um, you know, there's talk of, of Kyle Pitts. I, you know, I don't know if that's a really somebody that they would seriously consider, to be honest with you. Um, you know, should they? This is a different story. But, you know, I, I feel like it's probably going to come down to one of those two players for the Bengals at the top of the draft. What are your thoughts on Chase? Um, you know, what can he do at the NFL level? You know, what makes him a, a special player that's worthy of a top-five pick? So I, I'll start with the, the second part of your question, with what makes him worthy of a top-five pick. And in my opinion, and I'm not saying this isn't to take away from, like, you know, the talent that he is and whatnot, but I just don't value the receivers as top-five guys. Now, I know there's a lot of people, and I watch – you know, he's pro day, and, and I've heard, like, obviously, like, since last year, what they're saying about him as a generational talent. I don't think he's that. Mm-hmm. I think he is really good. Obviously, like, he's a terrific prospect. He's extremely productive, one of the most productive receivers in SEC history. Um, but I don't think he's just this, like, can't-miss generational prospect. Now, even then, to me, it's just hard to take a receiver top five or even top ten because I feel like throughout the draft, uh, teams are getting these receivers that are really productive and just as productive as the top guys. Or, like, you know, if you look at last year, you know, there were guys that went later in the 20s or even early first round or whatever. Like, you know, you're getting, like, Terry McLaurin, third round, like, D- uh, Debo Samuel, D.K. McCabe, second round. Like, you're getting all these guys, uh, guys that are extremely productive and they weren't, taking top, they weren't taking top 10. I think that the talent, I don't think there's that big of a gap now, maybe the situation is different, right? When you have this wide-open offense and Joe Brady calling these plays and um, you have uh, Joe Burrow throwing you passes and everybody's getting 10, 13-plus touchdowns, like, you know, it obviously puts you on a different pedestal you're playing the national championship. But who's to say a guy like Diami Brown couldn't have that level, or not to the extent, but really good success if he were in more of an offense like that instead of an offense that asked him to run three routes all game, you know? So just the mm-hmm. way I look at it is there has to be some kind of, like, projection with these guys and with the receiver position. Guys are just coming in and they are producing, you know, and being very productive, and it doesn't have to be a top 10 pick. Um, you know, so I look – so if if I am them and I'm looking for a pass catcher, 
and I want to take one top ten, it's one hundred percent Kyle Pitts. You know, it I like Kyle Pitts is a unicorn. Like there there aren't tight ends like that. You know, he's one of the best tight end prospects ever, I would say, since maybe Vernon Davis and Kellen Winslow, right? Um, mm-hmm. where that that's like more of a six six, two hundred and forty five pounds that's fluid, the way he moves his feet, his ability to really look like a receiver when he's on the outside. But he's a better like inline blocking tight end, I think people give him credit for. So like this is versatility and and the mismatch uh guy that he is where it's like, well, we can't cover him with linebackers. So what about when you know the Bengals come out in twenty one personnel and you're gonna put a linebacker on them, then what if they motion them and just split them out wide? What do you do then? Well, even then, you put a safety on him, he's a mismatch. I mean, he's beating, beating SEC corners, whether it's in the slot or the outside, and then running away from him. So, to me, just if you want to kind of get – when you want to start kind of going towards value, I would go that route. But in the sense of Jamar Chase and, like, what he brings, um, obviously, like, terrific. I think his best – when evaluating him, this was the weird thing. With, <laughs> this was the weird thing with him. And I don't know if I've really said this about anybody else, the the way he wins is the same way he loses, right? And I think um, typically it's, you know, guys win one way, then they, you know, if they're going to lose a rep, they lose a, a different way. But with him, it's always everything is like playing through contact, playing through contact, playing through contact. Like, so, you know, there's not a lot of separation with his routes, right? But people can say, hey, that that's not an issue because look at him right here, like look at him, like the, the, the contact's not an issue. And my pushback is, well, it's not an issue until it is. And when you just watch the All-22, you might see a couple reps where he does win with uh, the physicality and, you know, that bully ball type of mentality. But then there's like eight other reps or ten other reps in that same game where he just lost. And I thought, from putting on the film of Jamar Chase, I thought he lost more reps than any other receiver. Now, when he wins, he wins big. And are there ways to get him um, the ball and get him in space and can he win vertically? He can do all of that. Uh, but I just thought the way he wins consistently, I thought that he also lost the same way a lot. And I think that's something that people aren't talking about. They'll talk about how, oh, he's not like a pure separator or whatever. But they don't talk about how he's actually losing reps that same way. And it's kind of hit or miss. And what happens is, you know, Joe Burrow, he trusts him. He'll throw the ball out there. I watched it against Auburn. He's throwing it out there, and he's going to win. We watched him against Clemson throwing it out there, like downfield. He's going to win. And I've also seen them throw it out there, and it gets intercepted because now it's contested. And I would assume that that would happen more in the NFL because, you know, um, now the corners are a little stickier. Now, Now here's the thing where he can fix that, right, and this is where you have to project a little bit. Can he become quicker and more sudden? whether it's at the line of scrimmage or throughout his routes. You know, I thought people were – they were way too comfortable getting hands-on and challenging him in that way, you know, where, you know, a lot of people, they have, like, more of an issue with Devontae Smith. And, you know, oh, when he gets in the NFL, it's going to be hard for him to get off press. And it's like, well, guys can't touch him off the line. Like, he's really – it's tough to, to touch him off the line. It's tough, it's tough to press him. But Jamar Chase, that's the one who struggled with press. But when you say that, people are like, well – no, look at what he did here. And it's like, yeah, and that's my goes back to my thing where he wins the same way he loses, where I can show you reps where he did win playing and where guys got in his chest and then reps, a lot of reps where he lost and there was no separation and it was really difficult. So he's a tough eval for me because obviously I see the talent, I see the ability, I see the breakaway speed when he has the ball in his hands. But but also when you just watch the pure two, um, all 22 
it's not it's not pretty. It's not anything that's like like great. Like a lot of times when I'm watching these guys, I watch them away from the ball as well. You'll see guys just separating and getting open, but they just didn't get the ball. You don't really mm-hmm. see that with Chase. Like if he's not getting the ball, typically he's just not open, and that's kind of tough. He he makes it tough on me because I know everyone loves him and so high on him, and he's just like perfect and all that. But when I see, I, I don't see perfect. I do see like he has big time talent and ability, but I would like to see him kind of work to create more um, initial separation, just so he doesn't have to work as hard all the time. So two things about that, um, you know, to kind of follow up. Number one, I think a lot of people didn't think he was, you know, that fast. You know, based on on what you see and the way he he wins uh, on film, and I mean his testing numbers were very impressive. Uh, so you know, part one of the, of the question is, do you think this, this year off um, has, do you think he's actually been able to, to, to develop more speed and that, that he might be more explosive on the field in the NFL than he was in college? Um, you know, or conversely that, you know, that those are just workout numbers and they're <laughs> not going to mean anything on the field. Um, and, and part two would be, do you think that, uh, the NFL rules regarding pass interference and illegal contact, um, do you think that those will, will benefit uh, him with his play style or, or make things more difficult? Oh, man, uh, tough question. So the, the, the first part, I, I think that he – when you just watch him, he doesn't play fast. Like if you just watch like him – in route, and I think that's what people are seeing. I always try to identify, like, what people are seeing and kind of put that into words so they kind of mm-hmm. understand it. What you're seeing is, and what people are seeing, he doesn't play fast. He doesn't have what we call high-end controlled speed, all right? So when he's running his routes, it doesn't look fast. But if you watch him when he gets the ball in his hands, he is fast. Like, when you watch him against – I posted the clip against Vanderbilt, how he outran angles. Like, he has mm-hmm. that ability. He has that speed. And maybe it's not four three eight or four three nine or whatever, maybe, but maybe it's like four four three. You know, that's I was, I was mm-hmm. expecting him to run in that range. So I know he possesses that type of speed um, and explosiveness, but he has to learn how to play faster, like within routes. I, I'll give you an example, like right, and these are kind of extreme, but there's two guys at Alabama last year, uh, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs that came out. Mm-hmm. Jerry Judy high-end controlled speed, I thought he played just as fast as anyone in college football, even though his 40 time was 4-4-5. But if you watch the way he runs routes and the way he threat, threatens cornerbacks vertically and sits down his routes, I thought it was, like, one of the best I've ever seen, right? Like, like he just that's how he created so much separation. Where if you look at Henry Ruggs and maybe some of the struggles he's had so far in the NFL, he ran a 4-2-2. So it's like, oh, fast, explosive. And it's like, yeah, we see it when the ball's in, the, in his hands, but – when you just watch him and you watch cornerbacks, they they weren't threatened by him vertically and route, right? Like they were sticky watching against like Christian Fulton um, and how challenging that was throughout the game where they just went press against somebody that runs a 4-2-2 and he was extremely aggressive and physical with them throughout the route. And Fulton wasn't just this blazing cornerback, but Ruggs kind of struggles to play at the speed of his 40 until the ball is either in the air or in his hand. Chase has that same type of issue where, and even, like, it's even more exaggerated. Um, you know, they talk about him being, like, this great route runner. I don't think he's a great route runner. <laughs> I think you can see certain instances where he wins with a route, but a lot of times it's not, like, 
fast. It's just one speed, stop, turn around, oh, I faked you out, I'm going vertical, and then he beats a guy because maybe he had bad eyes. But I, I think he can, he can improve in a lot of areas. Now, this is the thing. If he improves in those areas, then you're, now you're talking about what they believe he is, which is like a generational prospect, right? right? If he improves on his selling, his twitchiness, his ability to uh, have more higher-end uh, controlled speed uh, to threaten guys, you know, vertically in a route to sit them down and doesn't have to always play with his physicality. If he can do those things, then, yeah, like now we're talking about like an amazing prospect. But I just think he lacks kind of in those areas, and I don't think his testing numbers told me anything new about him. Um, now, as far as, like, you know, how that game translates to the NFL, it, it's just going to have to be more like, you know, Des Bryant. And, um, you know, if you remember Des Bryant and not even – yeah, I guess young Des Bryant, but really more so Des Bryant where a lot of his passes were contested, right? Like Tony Romo just had to trust him that he was going to make the play. And a lot of times they just did different things to get the ball in his hands. He had to learn to be a little bit more nuanced with his releases. And I'd see Chase as kind of – that similar type of prospect uh, where you're just, you're just going to have to figure it out. But there was a time where Des Bryant was one of the most productive receivers in the NFL, and Chase mm-hmm. has that type of upside. He just has to learn how to play, you know, work on, like, the just little things that's going to help him really take his game to the next level. Even though everybody thinks he's already is there, I don't – but I think he definitely can get there. It's interesting you mention that because, you know, Romo is a popular – comp for Joe Burrow as well. And, um, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, ranked as, uh, you know, one of the one of the best quarterbacks in the league when throwing back shoulder throws and throwing into contested situations. He's kind of had a knack for that. So, um, you know, throw away the fact that obviously Burrow and Chase already have a rapport. Um, but do you think that Chase's play style uh, since it matches up with what Burrow does well, you know, do, is, is, does that make more sense uh, to draft a guy like that than, say, uh, a Jalen Waddle? Um, yeah, because I, I do feel like, you know, when he, you know, if Chase works on those things, then I just think he is just a more complete receiver because he brings that physical aspect to where, like, you know, whether he's, you know, running – you know, it, I, I only look at it like, all right, it's fourth, it was third down and seven. And, you know, we're down four and there's like, you know, five minutes left and we just need this catch. I feel like mm-hmm. Chase is the guy that's going to get that catch no matter what, whether he's covered, mm-hmm. like whether somebody's draped all over him or not. Um, and, you know, so not taking anything away from Waddle, obviously he's extremely explosive. And, you know, I like him a lot as well. But um, with Chase, you know, just having that like kind of safety blanket aspect to him, I think that's something that can definitely help, uh, you know, your quarterback. Now, the tough thing is, like, obviously he ran fast, but he's not, like, a burner in the sense of how he plays. And then you have T. Higgins, and then you have Tyler Boyd, and none of them are kind of like that. So you're Mm -hmm. essentially having three guys that, not you know, not saying they all win the same way or Chase isn't a higher-end guy than those other guys, but um, or a higher-end talent, right, because the other guys were both second-round picks. But uh, I do think that uh, they are c- kind of somewhat similar in, in that way. And it's kind of like you, you already have a guy like Higgins who is like, well, we kind of have to, you know, just trust him and give him the ball and give him opportunities. And obviously last year, and I, you know, I talked about uh, guys being productive, right, like in the second rounds and whatever. Like this dude was almost a 1,000-yard receiver. Nobody talks about it. 
But yeah. um, mm-hmm. Chase, he, he can be that too. And, you know, he he can be terrific too. I just think there's little certain things he needs to work on. But as a whole, I think, uh, yeah, the quarterback definitely, you know, would benefit. Just having that rapport with him, I think that always helps. I think it, it's interesting too. And, you know, sometimes people talk about like defensive backfields and they say you want a, you want a basketball team. Like you want you want guys that you know can, uh, you know, of all different types. You want guys that can run with smaller slot receivers. You want guys that can run with big, tall guys on the outside. Like you need kind of different body types and different athletes to match up with different athletes. Do you think there's a benefit? I mean, I, I think, you know, we as fans tend to think, well, you want you want that on offense too. You want different types of guys. But, I mean, if you go out there and you've got T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, and you've got all these bigger guys that, you know, that can win in these contested situations. I mean, does that give you an advantage that, you know, like you may be able to match up with one Jamar Chase, but can can you match up with two of them? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Um, You know, I I remember, like, hearing uh, the the former uh, Falcons general manager kind of talk about what he does, and he – kind of builds his receiving core like a basketball team where he's like, okay, I got my guy that obviously, I mean, Julio, he's a, he's a freak. But even mm-hmm. aside from that, it was like he tried to build the receiving core to where they just have different skill sets, whether it was Ridley or, you know, Sanu, and they kind of all have their little roles and whatnot. Um, I think it does help because you know exactly what you're getting from a guy and where he wins, whereas, like me, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in this Madden League and I'm playing Madden last night, and I'm playing this guy that's like just going man across the board and he kind of double teamed my my number one guy, and the other guys just struggled to beat man, and it made it extremely difficult for me, and I lost. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like so that is something that can kind of happen too, where it's like, all right, we're gonna double, we're gonna double uh, chase, and then now we're just gonna play man across the board, you know, with the other guys, and you're just gonna have to hope that those guys win. You know, like teams can do mm-hmm. like certain things like that. Um, so that's where it can kind of hurt you instead of just having yeah. that guy that is more of a separator and you know, like, he's going he's gonna to win in these situations. You can't play him man-to-man or one-on-one. It kind of just gives you that added, like, you know, element. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say that the Bengals decide to go with Penny Sewell for the first round. They pass on the receiver position. Uh, so as we look a little bit deeper into the draft, you know, Really, what they they need an outside receiver. They got Tyler Boyd, you know, excellent slot receiver. Um, you know, they they they'll probably look to add another guy into the slot later. But you know, really, that that first guy they need, uh, they're gonna want probably another bigger guy or maybe somebody with a little bit more speed on the outside. So, who do you, who are some guys that you think uh, could fit the bill and and you know be a big piece of this offense uh, that that will be available in the second round and beyond. Oh, man. Well, before I answer that, I do want to kind of go, because I don't want Bengal fans to attack me. I'm not saying that Chase and T. Higgins are the same player <laughs> or the same prospect or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying their play styles are kind of, like, similar. But obviously, like, sure. uh, Chase is a better version of that. Um, as far as what I see um, in kind of, like, the second round, right, there's a guy who I just love, and I don't know if he's going to be there, but I think he might. And he goes by the name of Diami Brown. Uh, he's a receiver out of mm-hmm. North Carolina. Here's the tough thing that people are going to kind of like having like struggle with, and maybe not like NFL staff, and maybe they will too. But um, what what the fans will see is if they kind of put on maybe some all twenty two, 
They're like, well, he only runs three routes, right? He runs a goal, he runs an out route, he'll run a stop route. And I remember when I was watching it, my first comments were that, oh, man, like, dang, this is hard to kind of evaluate at first because I'm like, it looks like the Ole Miss offense with D.K. Metcalf. And then people are like, oh, yeah, it's the same offensive coordinator. I'm like, wow, okay, it makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> now, I had to dig really deep to kind of find out, all right, let's see, let's see who you are. And I had to really watch and watch and watch. And, and when I got done, I was extremely impressed with him so much to the point where I think, like, he's going to be like a top three receiver for me or top four or top five receiver for me, where some wow. people might not have him in their top ten or whatever. But this is what I see. I see somebody with terrific feet at the line of scrimmage. He has a variety of releases that he's able to give you. I think the first thing that jumps out to most people is he's a vertical threat, and he's not just a vertical threat one way. He can either run by you, which he does. Like he, he will run by guys um, vertically, and he tracks the ball in extremely well. He's nuanced in understanding uh, leverage, so sometimes he'll just be running and he'll like be playing at one speed but kind of attack a guy's leverage and come back out and he does it so smooth, but you'll see the corner speed turn. And I'm like, wow, and it created, like, five-yard separation. And then also he wins at, like, the contested catches as well. So he gives you everything that you want vertically. Um, he also understands uh, little nuanced things where he, like, he'll give you a half step. And I saw it against, I want to say it was Virginia, where he's running, the corner's not in bad uh, position, gives him a half step, and he ends up creating four yards of separation. Like, he has these little nuances to his game where I'm like, okay, that's different. But let me see the rest of his game. You know, I noticed he does a really good job of setting up corners um, underneath, like whether he's changing pace with his uh, releases, where he's going slant. He has no issues running into traffic and catching the ball. Um, out routes, he's good, smooth. I thought when he wanted to, and he could be more consistent at this as well, threaten guys vertically because, like, hey, you have the vertical speed. Now, really threaten a guy and step on his toes, give him to open up, and you sit down. He did it, and I would see it, and I, and I pointed out those uh, different times where he did do it. But – I did think that was something where I'm like, hey, you can be more consistent with it. Now, the tough thing is he's probably like, well, dude, if I didn't run 12 curls a, uh, a game or 15 curls a game, I would be more consistent with it. But, he's, you know, it seems <laughs> like sometimes he starts to kind of – because he's, his their route tree is kind of repetitive, he can sometimes mm. just go through the motions. But when I watched him, what I came away with was this is, this is, this is, uh, this is um, Devontae Adams. Like, that, that's what it looked like on film. Like, this is somebody with Devontae Adams' ability, and people aren't going to really see it that way because of how he was used at UNC. But if there were a team that got him and they lined him up outside and they motioned him down and they started to do more things with him, I think he has big-time ability and is one of the more well-rounded uh, receivers in his draft class. Now, the difference between him and Devontae Adams is, one, he ran a faster 40, but I don't know if you can compare him because his is at a pro day and uh, Adams is at a combine. But um, also, Adams has 15 pounds on him, or 25 pounds on him, excuse, excuse me. Uh, 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 Brown is 6'1", 190 pounds. But when I was watching film, he looks and plays like somebody that's 6'1", 210. So when I was watching and I made my Devontae Adams comp, this was before his pro day and everything, I'm like, oh, yeah. this is Devontae Adams. And you just have to look and find it and know what you're looking at. Well, he weighed in at six one one measured in at six one one ninety, so he's smaller. But I thought he played plenty big, plays fast, plays quick, plays sudden, very nuanced. It was just the offense that was kind of hiding a lot of his ability. All right, so comparing him to Chase, uh, you know, really for for Chase, it's 
he's going to have to be able to be you know, kind of more more smooth and use his athleticism more before the ball's in the air. He, like like that's kind of what he needs to develop in order to reach his potential. Whereas with Brown, he needs to really like learn how to run more routes and and just kind of you know learn and have the reps to to uh, you know be part of a more of an NFL style uh, bigger, for lack of a better word, offense. With that, with, well, is that kind I, of what I'm getting? I don't even think he needs to learn how to. I think he can. He 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 can do it. He has it. He has the movement skills, the fluidness, the suddenness. He has it. Sure. They just didn't do a lot of it. So I don't even know if it's something that. Well, he can't do this. You know, I think it's just more so of. Well, he wasn't really asked to do a whole lot of this, and I think it's more yeah. more so of that. But if if a team asks him, like, hey, I want you to, I need you to run routes, I need you to do this, I I think he'd be big time. And again, and if I was brave enough, I would. I I know I like him more than Jamar Chase. But I'm just not brave, brave enough to say that on the internet. <laughs> you mm. know, like, I, I mean, I've already been attacked for saying right. that I like Devontae, Adam, uh, Devontae Smith more. So I won't say it, like, publicly, but I do like his well-rounded game. He's more of my style of receiver where, mm. you know, Chase, I, I like what he brings. And if my 49ers draft him, I'm like, great. But it's not, like, you know, like Debo Samuel, right? Like, 49ers have Debo Samuel and Ayuk. I like Debo, mm-hmm. and I think he brings a lot. And I'm not saying Debo is Chase, but I know I like Ayuk more. And I think Ayuk has more wide receiver one ability, you know. So it's kind of like that where it's like, yeah, I, I can like both guys, and I like Jamar Chase. I think I just like Brown more, but I just won't say that publicly. <laughs> I got you. I was wondering because you said you think he's going to be your, in your top three, and I was like, all right, so it's Chase or one of the Bama guys he's knocking down. <laughs> at least, Probably at least one of those guys. <laughs> Probably Waddle, and, and the reason why I, I knocked down Waddle just a little bit is he's freakish, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about um, – and I don't compare anybody to Tariq Hill because I think he's special. I think he has a certain level of twitch, suddenness, burst mm-hmm. that most of these speed guys don't have, like like Ruggs last year. Ruggs is more of a strider. Um, mm-hmm. I think that uh, Waddle is able to play at a fast speed more consistently than uh, than, Waddle, uh, than Ruggs did. Uh, my My issue with him is – and it's really weird because he is so quick and sudden and twitchy and all that. Guys kind of get hands on him too much, and that's hard. Like, typically it's hard to get hands on, like, somebody that's that quick and sudden, even though he, he's smart, he's like 5'10", 180. But it's hard to yeah. get hands on that guy. And guys just kind of get it, got hands on him, and it will kind of knock him off route a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. the upside is, I mean, crazy, right? Like, it's crazy. But I would like to see just more pure receiver consistency from him. And that's not to say that somebody can't get it out of him. I'm sure somebody will. And, and, and if he's my wide receiver four, definitely doesn't mean that I don't like him. I just think, like, all right, I just like a little bit more of what, Devon, like, when I look at uh, uh, when I look at Brown and I see Devontae Adams, I look at Waddle, I see Tariq Hill, but he's going to have to work really hard to get to the level of a Tariq Hill. And I'm not saying he can't. I, again, I really like him. But um, – that's kind of more of a projection. But obviously, like, he has, like, this freaky ability and upside. Like, you know, I'm watching him against guys that run 10-3 and Eric Stokes, and it just, like, you would think that Eric Stokes ran a 4-5 in a 40 the way that he was scared of him and uh, Waddle was, like, threatened so much with his speed. So, now, he he got some freaky stuff, man. Like, he, he, I mean, he ran off on Tyson Campbell um, for, like, an 80-, 90-yard touchdown. And, like, Tyson Campbell never had a, a chance in space. So this, this this is going to be one of the scarier uh, uh, speedsters to come out in recent years for sure. So, you know, we already 
got into pits a little bit with, along with Chase at the beginning. Uh, we, we talked about Waddle. Uh, of course, the guy we're missing is De- Devontae Smith. So uh, is, uh, where, does, where does Smith fit in there for you? Are you, are you concerned about the, the size? Everybody loves to put up the, the pictures of him where he you know, looks like one of those guys playing in a leather helmet <laughs> or something like that. But uh, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Devontae Smith? Oh, man, I love him. Um, I love him. I think he's probably the most complete receiver I've seen in recent years in the sense that he can beat you any which way. And, you know, I know everybody, like, they throw out the weight and everything like that about that being concerned. The one, the way that I watch film, it, it doesn't factor in height or weight. Now, hmm. when you do that and you put that into a computer, I, from what I'm hearing from the analytical guys is it basically spits out that he would be an outlier if he's good. So people are scared cool. of that. But I don't. I evaluate each guy individually without knowing what their height and weight is. So obviously mm-hmm. I knew he was skinnier, but I didn't know like you know how much he weighed or whatever. But I knew one thing. I let the film take my notes for me. And when I'm watching the film, he checked all the boxes. Like if you were like, hey, does he do this well? Check. Does he do this well? Check. Does he do this well? Check. He checks every single box. The only knock is that people know that he's 170 or 175. And they're using that against him to say what he can or can't do. But when I watch him, and if, you, if you're saying, hey, he's going to struggle with press, well, it's like, all right, well, show me m- multiple reps of him struggling with press in college against bigger, mm-hmm. stronger corners. There is, there is none. Show me him, you know, not being able to uh, win at the catch point, you know, um, you know jump balls, whatever can't see it. It's not there. Like, he just does it. He does it. You know what I'm saying? So you can't say he can't do it. Show me where he has trouble fighting through contact on on uh, routes, right? Like, if a receiver of corners is physical with him, can he work back to the ball through contact? You know, yeah, he can. Like, there's multiple, multiple against, like, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, like, all these guys where you see him fighting through contact, catching the ball. You know, well, show me where he gets hit and drilled and he just pops back up. Well, there's several of those reps as well. So, it's like, it's hard, it's hard for me because I don't do the whole, like, outlier and, like, wait. I, it's just show me what he can't do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And from that standpoint, he does everything at a very high level. The only pushback is he's 170. But when I do my evaluation, I don't factor that because, like, now, if his film, like, so say, like, Hollywood Brown, same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, like, you know, his weight, whatever, I don't care about that. Just I want your film to tell me how you play. Well, I thought his film told me he played kind of smaller. Right, like he would hit the ground, ball pop out, um, couldn't play through contact. Like those are things that worried me, and I didn't have him as a top five receiver in that class, you know. And mm-hmm. sure enough, next level. So people will use him as an example of somebody that's lighter that didn't work out because, or not, I don't want to say didn't work out. Somebody that's lighter and maybe isn't a consistent, like you know, wide receiver one or whatever he might have been projected to be because the first receiver taken in that class. Well, mm-hmm. they they lump him in with Devontae Smith when their games are totally different. You know, and I think that's the that's the struggle that a lot of people have with Devontae Smith. They want to lump him in with other people. That I hear it's like Snoop Menace, right? Snoop Menace, you know, when I was a kid, he was at Florida State, and I guess he was somebody that was tiny, you know, six foot, uh, 170 pounds. Well, Snoop Menace was not Devontae Smith, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. he wasn't that good. Like, he wasn't as good as him. So why are we comparing when they're different type of prospects? I think that's the issue a lot of people are having, and that's the argument I have had a lot on Twitter. I don't even – I won't. I won't even engage in it now, but the outlier stuff is a little bit like overblown. I don't use that. I just look at, okay, what can this guy do this? Can he do this? Does he check all the boxes for me? 
you know, and he checks all the boxes. And then you look at him in the blocking game where I'm, I'm getting mad at corners because they're not getting off of his blocks, right? I'm like, dude, this dude is 170 pounds. Like, how are you letting him block you? But even then, I mean, that would be the area where I feel like his weight would be the biggest issue because you're just not heavy enough or maybe strong enough. But I thought he played strong enough. I thought his effort to block was really there. But I use him like uh, LSU used Jefferson, where they, they would line him up like they near like an inline tight end and have Jefferson, Justin Jefferson blocking guys. Wouldn't do that with Devontae Smith, but I thought his effort and stuff was there with the blocking. But that would be probably my only concern when it comes to the weight, you know, if he's my outside guy and there's a slot receiver, am I going to throw a screen to where it forces him to block? You know, that might be hit or miss. So that that might be the only area where I'm like, oh, I'm a little, a little worried about that. But everything else and what, what I think a lot of people miss out on or don't understand, for guys like me, you know, I was in not – okay, I shouldn't compare me to these other NFL guys because I wasn't, like, as good as a lot of these guys. But, you know, a 6'2", you know, 6'1 195, 200-pound corner, the Devontae Smiths are harder to press than the bigger guys. So people look at, oh, 170, they're going to press them. Like, dude, it's hard to get your hands on that type of guy, typically. Mm. Those guys are harder because, if you, you know, usually you don't have the feet and change of direction to match his movement skills. So if you try overly hard to get hands on him, then you'll probably stop your feet and you'll end up locking your hips, and then he'll just beat you. And, and that's hard. So you have to use more feet than hands at the line of scrimmage with him already. So, like, the whole pressing him thing that people think is going to happen, it's not that simple. Where, where his weight might come into a factor is if, like, because people could just pick him up and body slam him, and maybe he gets hurt that way. But so far that hasn't been an issue at Alabama. So it's, again, like, well, tell me where he's hurt, like, and, and you just can't see it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because, first of all, we're talking about Alabama. So, you know, if you're projecting a guy from, you know, Akron or Central Arkansas or something like that, and and he's small, <laughs> you know, like it's a, it's one thing. It's like okay, well, you know, he's not seeing the top top comp- competition. But you know, when you're playing in in the SEC and you're playing for Alabama and you're going to the playoffs every year, like obviously, he's he's seen a lot. He's seen NFL guys every week, <laughs> you know, right? And, and and mostly NFL guys every week. So, um, and, and he's held up. And, and yeah, like you know, people love to talk about injuries, but. Again, he's he's faced that competition, and, and injuries haven't been you know a major issue for him uh, in, in college. You know, knock on wood about that in the future. But I think yeah, we we tend to overlook at those things, and oh, this guy's gonna be injured. It's like well, okay, but this bigger guy that looks like an NFL guy, he's actually been injured. That's the guy you should be worried about. So, um, right. you know, like I look at uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette when when they were coming out. People were, you know, more people were talking about McCaffrey getting, you know, potential to get injured than Fournette when Fournette actually had a history of injury. And, you know, McCaffrey right. was just small. <laughs> you know, and, the, the injury and, stuff is not prejudiced towards your size, right? Like, you know, I was watching um, the I Am Athlete podcast with, uh, on YouTube with uh, Brandon Marshall and Chad Johnson. And Chad Johnson is like, I never got hurt and played at 180 pounds where Brandon Marshall mm. dealt with a ton of injuries. And Marshall is 6'5", 230 pounds. So, like, I think people just think, like, oh, the injury is yeah. only going to happen to the smaller guy, and if it happens to him, then they want to point that out. Where he's like, no, like, the, the bigger guy gets hurt too. So, it, like, injuries are more flukish than it, than it has anything to do with your, like, like your, your size, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we talk about, well, if he's successful, he's going to be an outlier. And it's like, well, they're all outliers. Like, that's what your job is. We're looking for outliers here, you know. Right. right. But uh, so, you know, one other thing I'd like to uh, talk about with you. So, look, they're, they're looking for the big outside guy. Um, you know, but the Bengals are also really lacking depth at the receiver position. And uh, they lost longtime, uh, you know, backup slot receiver and punt returner Alex Erickson uh, in free agency this year. Is there a guy in the draft that you think could fill that type of role where, you know, as a, as a reserve, maybe a, a smaller slot that could complement, you know, Boyd uh, from time to time and, and could also help out uh, on special teams as a kick and a punt returner? Oh, man, there's a guy like uh, what, Tutu Outwell from Louisville. You know, now he's a tiny guy, you know. And, you know, I'm not mentioning him up there with, like, a Devontae Smith or anything like that. But he is a guy sure. that is, you know, smaller, quicker, twitchier. Now, he only he might only weigh, like, 160 pounds. But and I wouldn't do the same things I would do with Devontae Smith with this guy, but just somebody that might be able to fill that type of role and also be, you know, uh, maybe your primary return guy. I think he can kind of, you know, do some things like that. Now, what round he gets drafted in, I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, you know, fifth round, sixth round, and you see, like, okay, an opportunity to draft a guy like Tutu and kind of take a flyer on him, that that would be something that could, like, kind of play, pay off to where for the next few years you have somebody that can at the very least kind of fill in uh, a void as a reserve guy. And that's one thing, too, I think everybody, when they look at prospects, they, they don't, you, I think you asked a great question. I don't think people look at it like that. Like they, they look at they look at it like, oh, this guy's gonna be a star. This guy's gonna be this and that. And I would look at it like, well, maybe this guy is just kind of drafted to kind of be this like reserve guy and fill in for this guy if he gets tired, or maybe just be a return man. And I think somebody like Tutu can you know fill that type of void. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I think sometimes you get into that where. You know, maybe you have a need of the position, and you know, like the the Bengals uh, doubled down at receiver early in the 2000s with uh, you know Peter Work, and then took Ron Dugans a little uh, quite a bit later in the draft, actually. And you know, Dugans ended up having a pretty good career and being you know being a major contributor for them. But but yeah, those D three uh, those day three picks rather. Um, I mean, if they're if they're staying on the roster and playing special teams and you know, filling in from time to time, like, that's a good sixth-round pick. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like a win. Like, that, that like that's a win. Yeah, that, that is definitely a win if those guys can stick around and contribute in those ways. And, yeah, it's not always – it's great to, to find, you know, Tom Brady at, at, a, at 199, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, you're well, not making a, a living Brady in that. And, don't get me started <laughs> on Tom Brady and Mac Jones and all this stuff for my 49ers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got you. I got you. But uh but yeah, you know, yeah, you're not, you know, it's it, it's not always finding the home runs on on uh, on day 3, you know, but finding those those solid pieces that are going to contribute for you for a long time. Um right. Yeah, you know, that's that, that's how you're building a team. So, uh what well, I do appreciate you joining me to get today. Uh, excuse me. Uh once again my my guest was Eric Crocker. Eric, uh where can people find you? Your work, you mentioned your your Patreon earlier. Uh, where can they, they check all that stuff out? Yeah, so you guys can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, you know, I, I I haven't posted as much content on Twitter as I used to because I've kind of pushed things to my Patreon account, which is patreon.com slash crocktalk. 
And a lot of everything that I'm talking about with these prospects, if you subscribe to my Patreon account, like you'll see like, you know, 10, 12-minute videos like kind of like in-depth on a lot of these prospects. And we talked about the receivers today, but, you know, and I also, I mean, I didn't bring up like Terrace Marshall, but I have a breakdown on Terrace Marshall. Um, I have done a ton on defensive back. Uh, and I know you guys might be in the market for a cornerback, but, um, you know, maybe later in the draft, but I've done like really all the top, all the top corners. <laughs> I've done breakdowns on them, full video breakdowns and everything that shows like a lot of strengths, weaknesses, and, you know, good examples and everything. So that's, that's patreon.com slash crock talk. And, uh, yeah, that's where you guys can find me. All right, yeah, definitely check that out. Give Eric a follow. Um, you know, real, real quality stuff there. Uh, again, appreciate you coming by. Love, love, love talking to you, especially around draft season. Uh, keep tuned in to this podcast as well. We're going to have Bengals coverage leading up to the draft and, and really throughout the off season. So uh, keep it tuned in to Cincy Jungle and Chalk Talk. Who day? Yeah, we coming for with sours.